Welcome to the Food, Family and Friends podcast, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. Now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Food, Family and Friends podcast. You're with Vanessa Baxter and I'm really excited today to introduce you to Will Fleming. Will is the host of another amazing podcast called My Kiwi Life. It's currently on hold because he has a lot going on and he's needed to take a little break from that, which is a bit of a pity because it's one of my absolute favourite podcasts. It's thanks to Will that I've even started this podcast because I started to hear him on My Kiwi Life and then I met him in person and I thought, wow, this is such a cool and interesting way to be able to have conversations with people and to share them around the world. And it was through talking with Will that I... I suddenly realised that it was something that I would love to do too. So I have been interviewed on Will's podcast, My Kiwi Life, and you can check that out on iTunes. But today it is my absolute privilege to have Will in the studio along with his wife, Moni, and his two sons. So without further ado, let's cut straight into this interview with Will Fleming. Hey there. Well, this is pretty exciting. We've got Will Fleming in the studio, but he's not the interviewer. I know. This is going to be weird for me just to sit here and shut my mouth. No, Um, you can take over, Will. I don't want to do that. I spend enough time talking on my own stuff during the week. So it's nice here to have my my beautiful wife, Monica, sitting with me. It's weird to bring her into this podcast environment. I think it's awesome. So I can't believe you haven't been in here, but then I thought, actually... I can believe it because my husband hasn't been in here either. <laughs> but it does seem weird because you listen to Will every Monday on Kiwi Life as he interviews all his guests and he often talks about you and the boys and I need to go and I need to get home to my family and, you know, thank you to my family for understanding that I love my podcast and I need to come and do it. And uh, here you are. So it's so cool that you and the boys get to come in and actually check out where Will spends an awful lot of his time. <laughs> does, it, does it make you feel better, darling, about this whole podcast thing? Because it's hard for you, eh? It is hard for me. No, not that hard. But you lot away and yeah. I'm at home cooking. Mm. <laughs> yes, I totally get that. Yeah. Taking care of the boys. Yeah, <laughs> waiting, exactly. Waiting for my husband with a nice dinner. Wow. Wow. You sound, that sounds good. Maybe we'll start there then. (laughs) (laughs) So Monica, where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. We know that Will is a Kiwi and he is obviously doing lots of things, but he's also, you know, leads the podcast, My Kiwi Life. And you are from your accent, not from New Zealand originally. No, I'm a German. I'm through and through German. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, We've been together now 15 years. Yeah. And um, we met here in New Zealand when I was... Over food. Over food. Monica would... um, I went to a barbecue and I didn't know it was a barbecue. Classic Kiwi organization. So I rolled in there with lots of beer. (laughs) Of course. And... Being a male. Monica and her friends were all overseas students who came here and they were having a barbecue. So I sat there with my beer and she looked at me and she said, do you have a plate? And I said, no. So she got me a plate and filled some in, pasta salad, I think, 
and handed it to me. And she said, is that enough for you? I said, yes, thanks. And she said, no, it's not. Give me that plate back. Put some more on. So I just realized that we met over food, sweetie. We did. We did. And in Germany, if you invite someone for a barbecue, you are the provider. Absolutely. It's so different in Europe, isn't it? Yeah. You wouldn't expect people to bring things. No. 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 It would be almost rude, you know. Mm. Like, what were you bringing your own food? Yeah. Mine. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, here you always have to make sure bring my own drinks, bring my own food. Contribute something. <laughs> it is kind of strange because I grew up in Australia and it's very much you take things. But it started as you take food to say thank you. So I think in my parents' era, it was more that you'd take a box of chocolates, you know, yeah. or chocolates and flowers. And then I'm not sure what happened that I guess maybe people did start drinking more and drinking more expensive right. wine and things. So people felt that you would take wine to say thank you, even if that was not the one that was drunk. Mm. It was a thank you gift. And then I don't know what happened, but there was sort of an era where we all started to sort of expect other people to bring plates. But it bugs me because if I have people for dinner, I want to plan the menu and cook. Exactly. And then you yeah. suddenly turn up with your dessert that you're really proud of. I'm like, oh, no, I'm yeah. going to serve your dessert. I actually <laughs> did a dessert. And then it's quite confronting to yeah. – it's weird, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's interesting that whole conversation about cultures and food. My mum, she's from the Cook Islands. Mm. And there, food is um, like value on status. So, for example, she was genetically very thin and she would get teased at school because her friends would say, You guys don't have any money. Because being oh. bigger in those countries was a sign that you could afford food. So, she always took that into when she moved to New Zealand overfeeding me <laughs> so that's, that's well that's also a very southeast asian philosophy right. that you know it is a sign of affluence that you have got enough food and enough to feed your children and that is a, a problem now as a western food is being introduced into southeast asia and they're eating more fast food that unfortunately those children are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's unhealthy mm. but their parents don't view it as unhealthy because that is a sign that they're affluent enough to be eating right. at fast food joints mm. that are you know western yeah. dominated it's a very much a it's confusing it's a confusing and you know a lot of my time on my kiwi life is spent talking with people who have the balance on all types of life and part of that is food and eating mm. and how does that fit into our society and where do we fit into that? I mean, I had a, a great guest that maybe you should think of getting, Grant Schofield. Oh, I listened to him, What the Fat? Yeah. Yeah, he's and awesome. He was telling me when he was doing research in one of the Pacific Islands, they had sold their fishing rights to China. So... In return, they got money, but they were all eating noodles. I know. And it was just horrible, you know, to hear that people who had, for generations, have sustained food where they could eat and enjoy and it was good for their bodies. It was just in the last 10 to 20 years that's changing. And, I mean, I'm worried for my kids who sit in the room to see where they go in the future with balance and food and nutrition and you know, all the rest of it. <laughs> mm. Well, as a German, though, do you cook at home mostly? Yes. Yeah. And do you cook German food? Are you sort of traditional in what you're cooking? Oh, we do have occasionally sauerkraut and bratwurst. Mm. <laughs> but, um... Spätzle? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. You get cravings for um, sour, like it's real, uh, it seems mm. a bit like a joke, but Moni's like, I feel like some vinegar. 
you know. Oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, our salads have sauce, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and here you just present those letters with nothing. <laughs> like, mm, <laughs> yum. Yeah. And what about the sausages? Do you miss your sausages from Germany? No, 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 or have you, you found get, nice sausages here? Yeah, get no, some good ones here. Oh, that's good. Do you boys love sausages? Yeah, there's lots of good <laughs> nods on the couch there. Yeah, I'm sure they're good sausage eaters. So yeah. which part of Germany do you come from? Because, of course, uh, German cuisine is very regional. It is. Um, I'm close to the River Rhine, mm -hmm. but south of Frankfurt. And um, what is, yeah, we eat Leberknudel. Which is? <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a meatball made out of um, mostly liver meat. <laughs> Oh, really? It's wow. Great. It's great with sauerkraut, but it's, I love it. Yeah, you love it? Yeah, I love it. And every time we go back to Germany, that's... What you aim for. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because my, my mom is trying to get all that really German food into me. <laughs> oh, gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Do you have siblings back there as well? Yeah, got two brothers and two sisters. Did you all cook as a family when you grew up? Or was that something that mum did and then just imparted knowledge on? It's what mum did and expected their da daughters. Her, her daughters to help and join. Like mm. you don't like cooking alone. Like we have our big meal for lunch. Yeah. And um, I know when we go for Christmas to Germany, it's going to be at 11.30 latest. Money, time to help me. <laughs> yeah. Cook the lunch and make a salad sauce and clean the a, salad. It took me a long time, Vanessa, to get used to eating at lunch because we moved back to Germany for two years. Right. So to have my big meal during the day, I was satisfied. But come the evening, I was like, right, what's for dinner? Mm. And what yeah. did you do for dinner? What do you do in Germany for well, dinner? Do you have like a dark bread or right? right? So your version of a sandwich, yeah, you in have a way, a, the leftovers and rye bread. Yeah, but no, you actually have like cheese, luncheons and, you know. So like what we would have for lunch. For lunch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a platter yeah. that you can create a sandwich out of yeah. almost. Yeah. So let me get this straight. So... For breakfast in Germany, you have bread and cheeses and salamis and things in some places. Yeah, and usually lots of people like it sweet in the morning. So oh, they okay. Like Pastries. Jam, yeah, no butter and jam on it or Nutella. Nutella but does that come thing. from the English side of, do you think, in history? Because... Uh, when I've been in Germany, or is that just because I'm a tourist and they're trying to give me the German breakfast, <laughs> they, they give you all the sliced meats oh, and cheeses? Know, on, on the weekend, like on a Sunday or Saturday, you do get your boiled egg. Mm -hmm. But uh, how do you call that egg that you can still put your little soldiers in? You call a it, soft boiled. You call it tunkai. Soft we call tunkai. it soft boiled. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Five minute, ten second egg in my house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it needs to be soft enough that you can dunk your soldier toast in. in. Yeah. <laughs> What's the trick? Five minutes, ten. Five minutes and ten seconds. No little hole pricking. No, bring your water to the boil first, okay. and then very gently dunk your eggs into the boiling water and just let it simmer, not too hard. Five minutes, ten seconds oh, out 10. into a bowl of icy water to stop the cooking process. 
peel and it will be perfect. The white and the yolk will be wow. all beautiful and yummy. And my kids put timers on and they cook the best <laughs> of four <laughs> eggs. I'm hearing that, boys, we have to cook us some eggs. I think they whole, like the whole timer thing, you know. It's really cool to have a system to it. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, William is allowed to do the um, eggs benedict. Is allowed. The, the, the poached eggs because oh. we don't do that. And whenever we're in Germany, we present them like with a – Ex Benedict and something. Yeah, they like, really mm. freaked out when I started poaching my eggs. Really? What are you, what are you doing? That looks disgusting. <laughs> oh, know? because of all the white floating <laughs> yeah. around and in the sauce. Just pan. wait, just wait. You know, and then I got my bread and then buttered it and then the hollandaise sauce on top with a bit of salmon. Do you make salmon. your own hollandaise, Will? No, no. No. How do I do? Well, maybe I should no, talk to you don't after worry. the podcast. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for people. <laughs> hollandaise sauces, yeah. It's yum. tricky, yeah, but it's gorgeous. It's just <laughs> difficult to stop it from splitting, but it's pretty yum. So how did you make it out of a packet? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah a little yeah. jar or something. Well, no, again, little, little tetra packs. Germany that? is l- having lots of tetra packs. Mm. So you get your Benedict and your Hollandaise and oh, a tetra okay. pack. That's pretty impressive. That makes life a bit easier. Yeah, it's <laughs> very, very well run over there, you know, like as we imagine the of stereotypes course. of Germans, very organised. <laughs> Sorry, Monica. <laughs> But if you go to the shop, like Monica's mum will go shopping in several different versions of Pack and Save because she knows that this one one will have that. This one will have this at a good price. And so that's really like a community thing. People are on the phone talking to each other. Someone will ring and say, petrol's cheap at this gas station. And, you you know, (laughs) Lieberwurst is cheap at this one. So I really think that's cool. And of course, they all ride their bikes. Well, maybe I've just seen Monica's town. But you know, it's a very community centric. So you're burning some calories getting there. Then you get some food and you ride home. (laughs) And if you go and for a walk in the bush, there's normally some type of restaurant in the middle, you know. So you're walking there, you eat, and you walk back. And just a real different mindset. My my dad, he's he's a Kiwi, so he's brought up with the British values of you go for your walk and then you come home and then you eat and have a cup of tea yes that's right (laughs) and so for him it was very confusing we said why are we walking to the restaurant you know Mm. but then there's a whole another cool story when we were in the restaurant we had the super traditional german sausage and basically it had a thin layer of skin outside it almost like imagine a haggis Mm -hmm. and two clamps on each end and the sausage you had to cut through the middle and eat it out. But my dad didn't really think about it. He's 60 something's Kiwi guy. So he was just straight eating it, you know, putting gravy all over it. And I looked over and I said, Oh, dad, don't forget the two clamps on either side, you know. The little metal bits. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, Cheers, son. And he was eating away. And he, 30 seconds later, looked up and he said, What, what clamps? And he had nailed them, you know, he had <laughs> full on eaten them. So I gave him one of mine. So Monica's dad, who's very traditional German man called Hans Jürgen, he looked over. <laughs> I quickly, we made some, yeah, we put tissues and stuff over his plate. But that was, it was, was just. Was he all right? Yeah, he's all right. Well, I guess it's like people in the old days used to eat coins in the Christmas pudding by mistake instead of <laughs> in, instead of collecting them for good luck. But I'm glad he actually, obviously all kind of went through the system okay. <laughs> Your poor dad. Yeah, you know, he's just one of those guys that that's no surprise for anyone that knows him. You know, just you just get on with it. You just that's smile. What he, yeah. Mm. And I actually reckon you guys are eating so fast, you must be swallowing 
whole stuff. bits, you know? Yeah, money always says we don't chew. It's a race, a race at the table. I think it's an Antipodean thing, isn't it? I wonder why that has come about. I well, I, I sometimes think that, you know, if you look at places like Germany and France, very old civilizations, it seems to be food has its role. And, you know, mm. you think of the French, you think of the baguettes, and you think of the Germans and the sauerkraut. But when you think of New Zealanders, maybe you think of lamb. I'm not sure what the Australian main dish is. I mean, we have them, but it, what, I don't think about it when I'm away from New Zealand. I say, I must have Mm. This, you know, mm. I do, you know, like our steak and stuff, but you can get that everywhere. Anywhere. So I, I wonder if the way we've viewed food is from New Zealand and people traveling here is just like a necessity to run your body. Maybe. And, instead of, you know, like this the occasion. sit down, relax, you know, the siesta and that the food mm. was part of your. Yeah. You start your lunch with um, aperitif, you know, <laughs> slowly. And then there's like, you Usually we have soup beforehand and um, main course and for everything you have a different drink. <laughs> and then you have your schnapps at the end to digest it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, Moni's dad, he's a very much traditionalist. So before you'd have the shot of some type of very strong liquor. Which is a digestive, yes, yeah. to get your appetite ready for the food. Well, That's oh, what the, they ap, tend ap, to. Yeah, yeah. like ap, ap, aperitif is maybe like a bubbles with some aperol in it. Mm -hmm. Really nice. And it's just, you know. A pre-start. Yeah, it's like it's all cooked now. We're ready to eat and cheers for that. And then the whole cooking, you know, or the whole eating can start because it's all cooked and all prepared. And the salad is not mixed around in the sauce, so it's not getting soggy. Yeah, it's like a really big thing for us. It's like how many courses would you have at lunchtime in general in a family? Oh, you have like um, a soup for beginning, and then some main meal with a salad, and then probably dessert is if you're it? lucky. Mm. But our desserts at the moment are always like um, fruit salad. You know, like oh, so it's changed. Do you think? Do you think it's changed as people have become more aware? Because when yeah. I visited Germany, I stayed in Bavaria, albeit that's got its own <laughs> cuisine going on. But the cakes, people, uh, this woman that I stayed with, I stayed with her daughter and the cakes were layered and layered and layered and they were rich with maraschino cherries and cream. And yeah, but it's <gasps> like around four o'clock. That is true. It's not you, part you, of you lunch. You coffee, yeah. coffee and tea. But and you've only just finished lunch like three hours earlier and then you have this massive piece of cake. Mm. Yeah, but well, you the, know, towards dinner time, you shouldn't be, be hungry anymore, you know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you you do. You have to get into a routine, don't you? Yeah. And then realise you've changed routine. Yeah. So, Will, when you first – had you been to Germany before no, you met Monica? No. So, I, when you first went with Monica to meet her family and to travel with mm. her, what was that like for you? It was really scary, you know. I mm. remember coming off the aeroplane and before that I'd only known Monica four months. She had come as an exchange student and I followed her back and um, – I got there and, you know, saw this woman in my dreams and then she said, right, we're good, we're going. So we hopped in the car and drove on and the first thing I remember is she was going like 160 because on those <laughs> autobahns you, you can, can fly. <laughs> and so that was already like, I'm far away from home. The second thing, and this was only an hour into my ride, I kept seeing this sign saying Ausfahrt. 
And I was like, it was for like 10 minutes, Auschwitz. And I was like, this is a giant city. Why don't I know about this? So I said, Moni, what's this town, Auschwitz? Can we go there? And she said, no, that's the sign. That means exit. And so that was strike two. And I was only one hour 30 into my time in Germany. And then so we finally got to Moni's house. And I remember her sister ran out. And the closer she got to me, she started looking up at me and slowing down. And she realized that this guy is not from around here, you know, just the stature of mm. Kiwis and Australians, just big, big, big people. And so, uh, you know, I got there and it was a bit weird, but Monica's mum was pretty smart. She doesn't speak English, but she, well, I think we sat down to eat straight away. Yeah. And, you know, I'm smart enough to know that if you just enjoy what you're eating, which isn't a problem for me, that that's a way of people communicating. So, mm. you know, we stayed with Monica's mum and dad for about three months and that was our routine. We didn't really have conversations. I would ask Monica, how do you say that's delicious in German? And I learned that, sehr lecker. And um, that kind of got me through. And then I learned some German. Christina, Moni's mum, learned some English. But um, up until that point, I don't know what was happening. We were communicating at a different level, you know. I yeah. needed to I needed to somehow relay to her that I'm okay. I'll look after your daughter, I promise. But how do you do that when you can't speak to someone? So, mm, you know, around the table. I yeah. totally agree because uh, you know, my husband and I've been expats the entire time we've uh, lived together. And uh, we've changed countries so many times. And that's my story, that the way I've managed to cope with the constant changes in countries and the constant changes of culture and people and languages is by just getting out there and sharing food and sitting at their tables and smiling and just enjoying and in, in, in the moment of sitting there. And I've been an exchange student as well. You know, I wanted to go and learn Italian, so I moved to an Italian city, but I didn't know anyone any when I first got there. So the first few meals were crazy and I learned about <laughs> European food because, you know, I had two bowls of pasta thinking that was the dinner only to discover there were three more courses and I was already full. <laughs> but, you know, you keep eating because you don't want to be rude and they laughed at me in the end anyway. They knew I was completely full. Well, it's funny when you say they laughed because Moni's family laughed at me. The first thing I did with my main meal was mash it all together so I could use my fork, you know. And oh, they, so Kiwi. So Kiwi. And they were looking, I think Monty's mum said, what's he doing? And she didn't know either. She's like, Will, what are you doing? And I said, oh, well, in my culture, <laughs> you mash it all together so you can just- Get it um, all on the fork. Use it one fork, you know, and then the other hand I can have a drink. And no, no one took it. So I was sitting there eating my mash, but I, I maintain I still enjoy that. That's delicious for me. Like <laughs> if I have a stew with potato, you know, That's I still love. Perfect. You know, it's all together, and I'm still like that. My f favorite dessert is trifle. And Monica's like, ooh, it gets all soggy. and this is It all I'm combines. Like, yeah, I said, that's how I like it, you know. <laughs> but interestingly enough, I have got some of um, that traditional cuisine to Moni's family. So eventually Moni made them raw fish. So when Moni was mm. with my mum, she learned how to make raw fish. And that was a huge moment for uh, Moni's German family who wow. had, when you said raw fish, they were like, whoa, what? So are you talking Cook Island style mm. with the coconut? With the coconut and, oh, cream. Yum. And, mm. and chop suey, we took that there as well. So whenever Moni and me are there, we always have to make that now. And I think that's a nice little, you know, in a small rural German town that one of those houses 
is having raw fish and chopped suey. I love yeah, that. That can happen. You know, you and that's can... your gift back through food. Exactly. That's your way of showing a little bit of you through food because yeah. you can't pick everything else up and take it with you, but you can inject a little bit of yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful way to say thank you. You know, I was talking to another guest earlier and uh, she was saying, you know, it's really difficult when you're travelling, you don't have a lot of money or you're in a small town and you'd mm. like to give a gift to the host, but you haven't necessarily brought one from your host country, what can you do that's different? Because they go to those shops every day. So you going to those same shops and buying something isn't unique. And if you think about cooking something, because that's what I did when I was in Bavaria, I actually rang home because it was the, you know, prior to the internet. (laughs) I rang home to my mum on a landline and asked for a couple of recipes over the phone cooked them for the German family and then left them the recipes. And that was my way of saying thank Mm. you for all those beautiful cakes and all the kilos (laughs) (laughs) you've given to me while I've been here. And here's a little bit of Australia back to you. Goodness, it was probably fish cakes or something. I can't even remember what I cooked for them, but it was very simple. But it's a lovely way that food can talk. And have you talked much about how you got into food on your podcast? Like what's your involvement with your mum and family and food and how those all tied in? Have you talked much about that? I haven't really talked much about that. But for me, it was very much, I mean, I just remember always wanting to have dinner parties and things, even when I was 11 and 12. And I just, yeah, I wasn't really into the big party stuff. I just wanted to have people over and have yummy food with them. So I always asked for that for birthdays. And then when I was able to cook myself, you know, I wanted to have like sit up beautiful dinner parties, which, you know, my friends kind of probably suffered through, to be honest. Uh, And then, you know, I was steered off to uni to do the thing that you're meant to do, which was psychology for me at the time. And I was too good to be a teacher and I shouldn't just do cooking because I had better brains and all that sort of stuff that, you know, you kind of get told by not only your family, but your teachers and the school expectation. So I went off to do university, but at the time I worked for an Italian guy um, in the bar with his gorgeous son. And the Italian dude cooked this amazing food every night and it was a very small restaurant. And at the end of the night, all the staff would sit down and eat together as the staff meal. And I think I worked in there three days a week and my whole week revolved around those nights. Like I got through uni to get to that place to work. It was just like my whole world revolved around it and I was like, oh, my gosh, I just love food. And at that stage, Italians. (laughs) And I just wanted to move to Italy and (laughs) be Italian. (laughs) Yeah, so I kind of grew up from that a little bit and Mm. realised, yeah, probably falling in love with an Italian chef's son was not ideal, but um, I certainly fell in love with food and the whole the whole concept of food and and without a doubt it was around that table and there was just that whole camaraderie and just people mm. talking and laughing and sharing gorgeous food. It was just like, oh, this is home. And I was away from home. Home was Perth and I went to mm. Melbourne Uni. So yeah. that kind of became my home, I guess. Yeah, and, and I wonder if today's generation still have that, you know. I, I hope they do I because hope there's so. something special with what you're saying, you know. It's something that the Facebook and the Twitter can't offer you which is that Mm. moment of connection. And maybe what this is all about is these things that do connect us, you know. And so that that excites me that we still – I hope we don't lose it as humanity that food is a fuel and it's used to get you from A to B. I hope we don't become like that. I don't think so because I'm sure with your boys, like – do you sit down and have dinner? Or well, they're quite young still, but do you try to eat meals together? Well, mm. it's probably difficult. <laughs> you we, probably we, do, we, Mum. We do. I set, I set the table and we sit mm. on the table. But 
lately, it, you know, when William comes too late, it ends up being on the couch in front yeah. of a we're, suffer- <laughs> of we're suffering from that, if we're honest. Yeah, yeah no, that's okay. You know, it's like you... You put in your hours and you come home and you do your hobbies. For me, it's podcasting and vlogging and trying really hard to push. And then something's got to suffer. And at the moment for us as a family, it would be that that time of sitting at the table. And we're super aware of it. We always talk yeah. about it. But, you know, it's just where it's a symptom of our culture that for us to kind of feed ourselves and sit down and we've got the TV on. So... That's the easy route, but I don't know if it's the best one. But I don't, I don't think it has to last forever. And, I mean, the boys are still 8 and 10, and mm. mine are now 13 and 14, and we've definitely th- been through eras of that as well. And as an expat wife overseas, Tim, I don't think, was ever home for the evening meal. So it was me and the boys, or it was a helper and the boys because they ate earlier. Mm. And then I ate on the couch when Tim came home or by myself or I was out a lot more because there was less to do in the home because we did have help. So we certainly didn't constantly – and I would read about it or go home to Australia and see people constantly talking about we need to sit as a family and eat Mm -hmm. together. I'm thinking, gosh, we never do that. But we have in New Zealand as the boys have got older, we've made it definitely during the week we do uh, and there's no devices allowed um, and we have to talk and we have to chat while we're having dinner. Um, and it was a little bit confronting for the boys when we first introduced it. But then we make Friday night a movie night. So mm. Friday night we can eat in front of the TV nice. and we can have a movie on and that's fun. And it's like they'll ask, is it, you know, can we eat in front of the TV? Mm. And it'll be that night and that's cool and that's okay and we're not going to talk. We're just going to all veg and, you know, nice. have pizza, homemade pizza and yeah. sit in front of the TV. And I think that's okay yeah. because if it becomes – sort of mundane, like you've got to ask the same questions and everyone's got to say the same thing, then that's not really what you're trying to achieve either. Mm. So I think there's a balance. Well, it's nice that you say that because sometimes you feel like you don't have the perspective to see outside of your environment. Mm. So at the moment, maybe we are in that just, just, just hustle, in a zone. just get through it, let's mm. get through the next couple of years and then we can, these guys will get older, careers will hopefully take a bit of shape and then... Uh, for, not for the boys, for you. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to put those 10 and 8-year-olds out there to work just yet, Dad. Well, I don't know. I don't know. There's some good podcast editing to be done. But Marlon, I was thinking about something you used to say at the table, and it was like something – maybe you can come over here and talk into this. Was it something like – uh, you got to say your name and remember how you used to say that at dinner? Oh, what's your favorite animal? Your favorite superhero? Yeah, share that with us. It was like um, something about like what's your favorite thing and like share about your personality. And everyone had to answer? So you got to hear everybody's stories at the table? Yeah. And while you're on the mic, what's your favorite food? Do you have a favorite food? Pickles. Pickles, you are so your mum. She must be sitting there going, yes, pickles, good man. And how about your brother? Can you share with us what yeah. your favourite food is? What's your favourite food? Meat. Meat. Isn't See, it? they're well, German. That'll... There you go, they're awesome. Although kiwis, you could say meat. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting, the meat thing, because my sister's 100% vegan. Wow. And so that's having an effect on um, wow. her family in Germany. And, I mean, personally, I think that everyone should be able to choose how they eat. 
But it's interesting, that whole conversation. I don't know if you've touched on it on your podcast. Mm. It's it's really a mindset of, you know, looking at food differently. And mm. I, I struggle with this myself. Like, I know the world's changing. I know it's not acceptable to have battery farms anymore. Uh, just for example, on the weekend, I was duck hunting. And I feel comfortable saying it as long as I preface that with everything I shoot, I eat. Exactly. So you got to do that, you know. you got to like – because I'm, I'm sure that's how it was in the old days. You'd hunt for your food, you know. Of course it was. Yeah. And, look, I've been to a farm here as well, which was the most extraordinary experience of my life, to be honest. It was crazy. Um, I met a family at Ronald McDonald House where I'm a, I am an ambassador, and the little girl begged me and said, you know, could you come to our farm one day? So I said, sure, I will, and I promise – So a month later, I got in the car and I went to Hawke's Bay. I had no idea where Hawke's Bay was, but, you know, obviously I have a GPS, so I'm off to Hawke's Bay. My husband said, do you have any idea where you're going? I'm like, no, but I'm just going to this little town in Hawke's Bay and I'll just hang out there on the farm and I'm going to go and cook at the school with the kids and do some Vietnamese spring rolls because they probably won't know. I don't know if they're going to know what those are or not. Well, only to discover six and a half hours later that Poterie is not a town. It's just in the middle of the Hawke's Bay region somewhere. And I just rocked up at this farm with nothing. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. There was going to be a coffee shop down the road or something. I really have no idea. But the first thing I did was go deer hunting at 4.30 a.m. the next morning. And we got a deer so I was like, not only had I driven somewhere that I had no idea where I was going, but then I went deer hunting. But the philosophy on that farm was anything you get is completely consumed. And uh, a year later, I took the boys down and uh, we spent a week with the family on the farm and the farmer taught them that. He, he nice. said, you can go eeling with my kids, you can do whatever you want. But whatever we get, we use. And if you don't want it, then it goes to the local settlement. It's sort of like a Maori settlement close by. So they would go and hand over eels to the guy down there so that that family would get to eat. It was so educational and important for the boys to realise it was just no waste. Mm. And I think that's, you know, we can sit here and we can go pros and cons of shooting and eating – But my goodness, how many people go to the supermarket, do a massive shop, and then, you know, a third of it gets thrown out at the end of the week because it hasn't got finished or something's gone off in in the vegetable box. They don't think to turn it into soup or whatever. And Mm. we waste all the time. And there are farmers being really, really careful. Yes, Mm. I go shooting, but everything gets consumed. Exactly. So It's a a moral dilemma. I mean, and I sometimes feel like because we don't really have that many worries anymore, we have to create them. But of course, if I say that, a vegan will punch me, you know, for saying that. So I just think I'll look after my views Hmm. (laughs) and I'll try and, you know, be a balanced person and not take too much and share when I can. And I feel like I'll start with me and then I'll worry about projecting on others. (laughs) Yeah, I think start with you and your family and... You know, you've married someone from a different culture as uh, as well in a different country. So you'll have how you've been brought up and, and mm. views about food and how food is, which we've already discussed. And, you know, the whole kind of paleo and the no sugar. Look, I hear it and I understand it and I take, I take it a lot on board and I'm interested about it and I believe in lifelong learning. So I'm constantly educating myself as well. But I don't believe in completely niching so far down that you go to Asia 
this huge continent where everyone lives on rice and say, sorry, you're not meant to be eating rice anymore because mm. it's not on this diet. Right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, this is centuries old that people have been eating mm. rice. And so I think, you know, yeah, there's sort of fads and you take little bits and pieces that are important. But, yeah, I'm much more about balance and across-the-board yeah, balance exactly. for me. Yeah. And that's me no, and, so. and that's how it should be, balance, you know. And I think the only way to get balance is to try things, is to look at things, is to be brave and, you know, when you go to the countries, try their local cuisine and don't really listen to anyone, you know. Mm. I mean, for me that came very natural. And I just thought of this now because when I would have Christmas with my dad's family who are Kiwis it would be with the three knives and forks and you'd eat properly and slowly and chew and then the evening would go to my mum's where you'd eat with your hands and it was a totally mm. different environment where I didn't get slapped on the hand for grabbing with my hands so I, I saw that early on but I totally get it if you don't come from that it looks strange yeah. so you we, as adults and as humans and as people lucky from good countries we have to experience that and push ourselves because for others it's it's um it's not that luxurious you know food no. food is food with the hands is awesome yeah <laughs> you know I and mean, that's how my boys grew up because they grew up in uh, Indonesia and my helpers in Indonesia thought I was hilarious because I had like a nine-month-old and was trying to put the plastic spoon in his hand, you know, thinking it would be important to for them to learn how to use a plastic spoon. And they're all adults sitting around <laughs> eating, you know, with the rice with their fingers. Mm. Uh, and in the end, you know, my kids just sort of ate in an Indonesian way for, <laughs> for ages. But it doesn't mean they can't use a knife and fork now exactly. or know their manners <laughs> in a restaurant. So it's yeah. balance all the way through. Are you really hearing that, that, money? Yeah, just be open. Minded. Oh, oh. <laughs> I can see a few looks backwards and forwards here. <laughs> and is your mum still around? Well, yeah, she yeah? is. She is. She's just come back from Rarotonga. She was over there with her sister, who's not so well at the moment. So that's how the family kind of um, closes ranks a little bit. Mm -hmm. So she'll go back in a couple more months. But she couldn't stop raving about the food over there because there wasn't the variety. So she would be having a lot more fruit in her diet mm. as opposed to here where she says, I just can't stop eating bread when I'm here. Isn't you know, it's funny? everywhere around me. So, yeah, I think she's she's looking for that type of lifestyle like she had over the last few months in Rarotonga. And, you know, fish and a lot more kind of caught, prepared and eat. And it's mm. usually around a, around some type of human activity. And um, no, but no, she's she's interesting, my mum, because she's she came to New Zealand when she was a young girl. She couldn't speak English, and her mum didn't have the life skills to let her know that it would be difficult for her on the first days of school, going in at six years old, not speaking English. So it was real baptism by fire for her, you know. And her Rarotongan name is pronounced Irita Pita, and. She didn't means know, Elizabeth. It means Elizabeth. But oh. when she went to school, they said, what's your name? She said, Erita Pita. And the teacher, all she heard in it was Rita. So her name was Rita. <laughs> and oh, she wow. still gets called Rita nowadays. Yeah. But, <laughs> does you know, she? she's, she's tough and she adapted and she, you know, married and she's happy and she laughs at my dad because my dad's old-fashioned. Like, and I love my dad, but I give him a hard time because he's an old-fashioned guy who grew up when you just had to go to work and come home via the pub, 
Yeah, that was it. And is his um, hi- historical background mm. British? Is he? A- yeah. yeah. So his yeah. dad was, you know, World War Two veteran, yeah. and the year, the generation before that came from Australia. They were part of the convicts who they said you can be released here, or there's a free boat going to New Zealand. Mm. So they took the plunge, and so look know. at you. You've got the whole for food wise. You've got the whole English, <laughs> yeah. you know, meat and three veg. You've got the Cook Island with all yeah. the beautiful seafood and coconut. And now you've married a German yeah. woman who's brought her <laughs> whole cuisine into your life. Yeah. So you're just like a multicultural melting yeah. pot of We're pretty lucky. And yeah. I, I, I don't forget it either. It's amazing. If I look at my kids, they've got all of that history too. So. I think it's just about trying not to get lost in life and every now and then having a look and reminding yourself that we're blooming lucky. You we know? are so lucky. Even to be sitting yeah. here now talking in this room, none of us are hungry or starving. And, mm. you know, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I think acknowledging that some people don't have it is a good start. Oh, and look, then- absolutely. I interviewed Michael Meredith the other day and Lisa, who is the. Uh, patron, I guess, organiser of Eat My Lunch. And, you know, it's such a great organisation because people can buy a lunch and then a lunch gets sent to a school off the back of that for kids who don't get lunch at school. And before I interviewed him and in the discussion, but without trying to judge, it's just the thought of kids going to school without food is so beyond my life comprehension because I've just been so blessed to always have food. It might not have been always brilliant. To be honest, it was probably always pretty good and it was certainly homemade and there was never a day that mum and dad said, no, there isn't any food tonight. So I've never had to experience that. So, and neither of my children. So, you know, very, Mm. very privileged when you consider there are families just down the road who may get to the end of the week and not have something to give their kids for dinner or lunch. I mean, we need to make sure that New Zealand and Australia and these countries who do have proud traditions make sure there is cheap, healthy food available. Mm. And that might be, you know, food in schools or that might be, you know, the farmer who's got leftover fruit that it gets to the people it needs to. And, uh, you know, I I don't know. There's an old New Zealand that I I yearn for a little bit and I know it had its problems, but, you know, a little girl from Rarotonga could come to New Zealand, have a free education, buy a house, and that this are these are low income families, and now oh, you know you buy can, a house. Well, <laughs> <laughs> privileged families like all of us, you think, oh, that's not the Kiwi dream. So here's the thing: I reckon we've got to reinvent what the new dream mm. is. And I don't think the answer's as clear as it was, but there's a lot of things we do have that are positive. So we've just got to work yeah, it out. That's true. That's true. So to end our podcast, yeah, I've got a poor, little. Sorry, poor Matteo is sitting here hearing everything about the food, and his tummy and is rumbling. Tummy is rumbling. He's thinking, "Where are the snacks?" That's a very good point. Next time you come in, boys, we'll have to have some healthy or yummy homemade snacks for you, won't we? <laughs> you guys can jump on the microphone for this too if you want to answer this. This is like a little quick fire round for mum and dad, but you boys can also call out if you. You've got a favourite. So they're going to be either-or questions, okay. and you've got to think, what do I prefer? What do I really love? Is it that or is it that? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Peanuts or almonds? Almonds. P- peanuts. 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 <laughs> Donuts or bagels? Donuts. Donuts. <laughs> bagels. <laughs> Herbs or spices? Spices. Spices. Herbs. Spices. Butter or oil? 
butter. butter. Oil. <laughs> butter. Did you say butter, mum? Oh, of course. <laughs> Beer or wine? Wine. Beer. Oh! <laughs> I love that the eight-year-old says beer. That's awesome. Will. Uh, probably beer. Beer. I thought that Monica might be beer with the German Monica's background. Monica's mum's no. beer, though. My mum is beer. Is Even she? Weizen beer. And can I ask, just not that this is part of the either or, but for wine, are you a sweeter wine? A sweet, yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm a rosé. Yeah. Uh, soup or stew? Soup. Stew. <laughs> roast potato or baked potato? Baked. Roast. Roast. Roast, yeah. Sausages or steak? Sausages. Steak. steak. <laughs> Custard or ice cream? Custard. Really? Custard. You didn't. You didn't wait, though. Are you yeah. sure custard over ice cream? No. Yeah, he loves custard. Custard, custard yeah. Lover. Yeah. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Milk Dark. chocolate. Milk. milk. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And do, does anyone in the room have a favourite cookbook? Actually, I don't have a cookbook. My grandmother, who is dead now, but um, I used to call her up and said, Oma, how do you make that biscuit so you can put your fruits on the cake? That biscuit layer, and she's like, you take three cups, you take three eggs, and you know, like it was so easy. Three spoons of that, like. So you just got it passed down from people yeah. who knew. Yeah, like yeah, that, that, nice. there was never a recipe. You know, it was like. Is there, has that been written down in your family somewhere though? I, I, I did write it down, and I said I make Oma's cake for any birthdays, or I make Oma's potato salad, and my aunties. Oh, yum, a German <laughs> potato salad. Yeah. And, and, oh. and my aunties come now and they try all the salads. Like they come into the kitchen and try, especially the older aunties. And like, oh, did Moni make the potato salad? Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. It tastes like umas. Like that's like the best compliment you can <laughs> that get. That is absolutely, <laughs> totally. I think that's a bit like... I, was, I interviewed someone, oh, Stacey Morrison, and she was talking about Casey and Karina and the fact that they'd been on MasterChef and then won MasterChef, the Maori girls. Mm-hmm. And she said, but they put out the cookbook. And then in the Maori local community, apparently, there are people like, no, they haven't done a good job with this recipe <laughs> because, you know, they're young. And then there's people, elders, who were like, no, I wouldn't have done it like that. So, <laughs> I love it. I love that the elders are sort of like rolling their eyes at the youth who have changed the recipe. (laughs) And I don't necessarily disagree. You know, why change something that's um, good to start with? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, And Ray McVinney always used to say that to us as well when we were on MasterChef. He said, don't always think in a recipe about what you should add in. Often you need to stop and think, is there something that I could take out? Wow. And I thought that was so insightful because we were constantly, and we are constantly striving. What can we add? What can we buy? What can we add to our life? What should we have tomorrow? And not just stopping in the moment and thinking this is enough or I might even actually be able to take something away and it's still okay. Mm. And I just thought that was really... It's a cool thing to think about. It's a very cool thing. I often say to my guests on My Kiwi Life, Take what you just said and then take what you meant out of it away and just put it over humanity. And I think, you know, that little tip there on food, what do you leave out? Maybe if we input that into our life a little bit, 
Um, we're mm. heading in the right direction. I think so too. It has been. You boys have been such stars. <laughs> Congratulations. You have sat here for the whole podcast so quietly and you've answered some cool questions so you'll be able to hear yourselves. Thank you so much as a family for coming in to be interviewed. How cool. Pleasure. It's very yeah, it's we're awesome. All, Thank we're you. all very hungry now. Yeah, now we all need to go and have some dinner. <laughs> Thank you. Pleasure. As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast again this week. It's so exciting to bring so many different guests onto the podcast each week and to hear different takes on food and the way that people engage with their family around food. And Will was very open and honest about, uh, you know, the issues of always trying to do the right thing in a family and eating together and having food as a really healthy and exciting part of life. So it was great to be able to hear from him and let's hope that he finds the time to bring My Kiwi Life back to air. We're both sponsored by the same, or supported I should say, by the same group, Podcasts NZ and World Podcasts. So huge thanks to our partners and thank you, of course, to you, our listeners as well. And I look forward to touching base with you again next week. Bye. Friends Podcast, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com.